Welcome to The Event Brew, where event professionals from different backgrounds talk about the latest, most controversial, and interesting topics dominating the minds of the industry right now. This is a candid conversation, the likes of which can only otherwise be found late at night in host hotel lobby bars during industry conferences. So relax and drop in on what event pros really say when no one else is around. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event management company that tells you how it really is. Now, let's brew something up. Hey, everyone. Hello, Welcome hello. back to another hello, hello. Event Brew episode. I feel like we've, we were coming in with a real lo-fi energy today. Um, maybe it's just because we've got a new uh, co-host and we just don't want to overwhelm him. Maybe that's maybe that's why we're just coming in real chill. Uh, I'm Deanna. Uh, who else do we have with us today? You got uh, Will Kern from Endless Events and uh, Nick Borelli. Uh, to, I guess I could say I, I'll I'll be officially working for a company called Zenus uh, by the time this this drops. So um, yeah. Oh, we could have done a drum roll there. That's that deserves like a round of applause. Ah. Yeah, like facial recognition. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look at look at drive time, drive time DJ uh, <laughs> sound effects. Uh, that's uh, still going, huh? I, I, I guess I, I guess I have to pause it to make it stop. It'll just keep going. Uh, we'll just playing with all the all the new so little uh, new show format we were thinking about called uh, uh, Gator and the Weasel uh, and uh, Drive Time Morning Radio. Uh, I think you probably have some fart sounds and some other really cool stuff uh, coming up. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna well, stop talking. Well, with with all that, we we have a new um, co-host with us today, um, Xander. Why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners? Hey there, hey there. Nothing like a welcome on a low energy moment. My name is Xander <laughs> Castro. <laughs> I am an events director for a company called Microconf and Tiny Seed. So we help. Uh, early stage startups uh, get funding, learn how to build and grow their business, that kind of thing. So, yeah, uh, I am, uh, I wouldn't call myself a veteran at this point, but I've been around for about 10 years. I've known Will and Nick for quite a while at this point. Uh, yeah, first time joining in on the show. Fun, fun yeah. facts, by the way. As always, Xander's been on the icon, so if you want to go hear his whole story, go there. But fun fact is, before I knew Xander in the industry, Xander actually wrote content for Endless as a ghostwriter. And so, like, just, like, years and years and years back, Xander and I go back and then, like, re-met in the industry and then just su- such a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, it's it sounds like a beautiful beginning fun. to a rom-com. <laughs> <laughs> It's a small, small Believe it or not, it was a rom-com, okay? (laughs) (laughs) A beautiful bromance. Turns out the company I'm working for right now actually hired me basically in the same two weeks that I started working on Upwork, which is where we got connected. And so, yeah, it's just a very small world. Small world for sure. Very small. Um, Well, in true Event Brew uh, uh, tradition, want to know what everyone's drinking. I am boring per usual. I've got my handy dandy H2O next to me. Um, and it is not the weekend yet, so I won't have an alcoholic beverage, but 
I would love to be uh, toes in the sand, drink in the hand, eventually. Uh, Nick, what are you, what version of Mountain Dew do you have in front of you today? You know, I, I'm not that predictable. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I made, made my way through a number of Mountain Dews today. I, I'm actually really enjoying the uh, Dr. Pepper strawberries and cream today, uh, right now. Oh. Um, if that it's, sounds delightful. Yeah, if it's new uh, and uh, weird, I grab it. Uh, so I went out to uh, Walmart today and bought four or five different cereals that were all limited editions and a bunch of sodas that are limited editions. And that's generally how I uh, eat, uh, like a child, uh, and consuming sugar in unique combinations available for a short time. Completely unrelated yet related. When you mentioned limited edition cereals, I thought about uh, a Netflix documentary I saw this weekend, and it's about the Pez. Oh, yeah. Uh, Pez Hunter. The Pez. Yeah, the Pez. What's his name? Uh, uh, Bandit. I Outlaw? was talking to him on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, DMing him. Yep. People use Twitter. Of course. Twitter. That makes complete <laughs> sense that you actually have a connection to the Pez Outlaw. That was like the most fascinating documentary about the Pez uh, black market essentially um but he also he started originally by collecting cereal boxes that's what i was like, talking to him about because i do that too i have like mm -hmm. lots and lots of uh like uh big shipping containers full of flattened out uh cereal boxes that's what caught my attention what? but the one thing that is uh true of any collector and then a collector with like some sort of ocd diagnosis on top of that is it doesn't matter what it is so like that was the part that like really wrong <laughs> true it's like it's sort of like it's like a, a placeholder for whatever. You just have to be constantly thinking about the next thing and like the completion and the whatever to like feel a sense of like whatever calm or whatever you need. So like that's the part that I really liked about that documentary is like it absolutely addressed the fact that like that's a, you know, sort of a sickness slash, you know, whatever uh, coping mechanism that that is really irrelevant as to what the thing is. And like I liked how he jumped from one thing to the other, and like that's it exactly. He's just like, yeah. Then I saw Pez, and I was like, oh, I need all those. And then he spent the, like thirty years of his life, you know, just getting those. But it was like that inconsequential of a pivot, and uh, that's what it's like to be a collector. And I have like five or six hundred items in front of me, looking at like all this little stuff of like cereal box characters and whatever else and it's uh it's it's something about like the uh you know the minimalist life that i try to uh askew as far as i can i found a, a good documentary speaking of documentaries over the weekend about on on the opposite side of that which is about why minimalism is dead i think the name of the youtube channel is like future proof or something like that but basically it talks about like how like basically the pandemic forced everyone to like home decorate and it like maximalism is totally in now <clears throat> Yep. If you stay all at home the entire time, you better like it's the same thing that pharaohs did in the uh, uh, pyramids that they ended up dying in. You just fill your pyramid full of stuff. Eventually, it just falls in on you and you die and your cats are around you and it's good. <laughs> Foreshadowing? That's, yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Meanwhile, I'm all right, uh, completely well barren walls. I am definitely still on track with minimalism. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I see you've got a flask in front of you. What are you drinking today? Um, I'm actually drinking out of a mug, too, in addition to my water. Uh, my, sh my throat's a little sore, so I'm going back and forth between tap water. And this is a Scottish breakfast caramel, I think, like tea. Um, I got it while I was in, like, north of Seattle, like in the Everett area. 
And I'm drinking it out of a Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Park mug. So, oh. hooray for tea. Very, Very Seattle-like of you Very to drink much. it out of a National Park mug as well. <laughs> you know me, and I'm so outdoorsy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. As I'm wearing Patagonia and talking about going, yeah, yeah, well, let's change subjects. <laughs> Xander, what are you drinking on today? Well, it is still a little early over here in Hawaii at this point. And so, like, in true homosexual male fashion, I have four different beverages sitting in front of me. <laughs> I've got my water, which is my primary at this point. I've got an iced coffee. I have a hot coffee. And then there's a bottle of hot sauce right in front of me as well. So sometimes you just got to go for the hot sauce. Yeah. See, I thought I thought the iced and hot coffee together was going to be the, the, the thing I was going to comment on. But the hot sauce... Yeah. was the ultimate co- curveball. <laughs> what kind of coffee are you drinking? And what kind uh, of hot so sauce is I work, <laughs> I work in a co-working space in Honolulu, and they have a nitro tap right in the, on property. And so uh, this is a fair trade pauhana, and it is a – so pauhana is essentially happy hour in Hawaii. Uh, so they start their day off with the pauhana brand. Uh, it's uh, an organic fair trade. It's delicious. Uh, it's on tap and f- has never run out since I started here. And so I have really, really enjoyed the unlimited coffee that they have been providing. And I have it in a giant Starbucks uh, Trenta cup, one of the one of the takeaway to go Trenta cups. So loving that. And then it is a Yellow Bird organic habanero hot sauce. Mm. Mm. Now, is the hot sauce going in any of those three aforementioned no, it's beverages? Not. It's okay. just a, it's just a liquid on my desk. I was just, I was just running with a bit here. <laughs> we we understand that we we are known for bits around here with the Event Brew Crew. Um, well, Xander, as our uh, first time co-host, we are going to give you the floor to kind of introduce what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, for sure. So. I got a Slack message about 15 minutes before we started recording. And <laughs> Don't let them know about it. Right 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 what? <laughs> I love Don't the let inside know baseball that we plan, on we, these. We spent a lot of time planning these. <laughs> uh, no, there, there's a great list, tons of topics, tons of options. And today, none of those are being used because I dropped in a random idea that just popped into my mind. And it is the, uh, so if we're going with the PG version of Kiss, Mary Kill, uh, this is an idea where we we have we we changed the name out. I did not write that down, so Will's gonna have to have to fill in the gap on exactly what we are calling this. But if you look at budgets that are being cut as you move into a recession, that kind of thing, and your clients are looking at striping away some of the the numbers that you have for specific budget items, what are the things that you need to keep? What are the things that you have an opportunity to cut? And what are some of the things that you can completely do away with? Uh, yeah, he's gonna need to reframe the. Uh, exact, yeah, I think we ch- we decided cut, keep, uh, change, improve, cut, che- uh, improve. Oh, right. Yeah, cut, ch- cut, keeper, improve. Yeah. So, yeah, so is the goal then basically? So is that we're gonna pick a we're gonna pick three things? We're gonna talk about budgets and we're talk about three things and what would you cut, keeper, improve out of them? Is that kind of the goal? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's a little bit of a personal, like, what do you value most in the events that you're working on? What do you think are the most important things on the events that you're producing? Or if you aren't producing an event per se, but you have a strong hand in a certain segment of the event and you think that there's an area that matters most, I think that that's some of the stuff that we'll probably address. 
So I got so I got three objects. I think I can, we can start off with, and I'll pick some production's got to go right. I assume. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so my three objects. Strip my three it down. Ob- you're looking at your you're looking at your budget, and it's there's production like AV tech, uh, side of things, uh, catering and marketing are your three objects. <laughs> Those are the three. Okay, interesting. Uh, you so know, what it's would funny. You cut, it, it, keep, or improve. It's so funny. I, I mean, I spend so much time in F and B that like I know how caterers think, and like they definitely have. I, they've had this conversation. This conversation comes up in cater source, and they, they'll frequently say, "It's obvious that you keep the food." Uh, and and then like and then like in corporate like meeting planners or certainly anybody in the tech side, they that you know they would be like on the the first to go would be like, "Ah, give them bologna sandwiches." Who cares? You know, and it's and it's really. The, the the cheat for all this stuff is you know always going to be like it depends on the goals right so uh which is zero fun and i'm not going to even say that ever again i feel like uh, that but- needs to be like an event brew band like thing it depends yeah. is like depends. we are not here to talk about it depends on event brew like let's be yeah. spicy that's the that's the band and also our but what are the event objectives you know yeah, that's like that's it. the the event the band's tagline Right. Yeah. So, I mean, like, so let, let's like aim at the middle and like, let's, let's say like, Hey, we're, we're aware that like, it depends and we're aware that, uh, you know, the, the, obje- the objectives really move what these decision-making, you know, pieces are, whatever the events organizing principle is, you kind of go with that. Uh, so let's take all that, you know, the grain of salt and let's just like aim at the middle and say the majority of events and so the majority of events, uh, I don't know if it's my dispassion for it at this point. Uh, but the food is where I would cut, um, uh, and I guess it, it's because of like the mission critical element of it. There are events wait, where the food is mission wait, critical. Wait, I realized we, we probably should just really quickly go through every person's cut, keep, improve, and then go yep. into detail. Okay. Probably. Cool. Now, uh, so, now okay, I'm thinking about cut, this keep, format. Cut, keep, improve. Uh, it's production. Uh, it's uh, F&B That's and what else? That's your keep. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, production, like production, F&B, or marketing. Got it. And... Just really depends. I guess it would be uh, improve marketing, keep production, uh, and and cut food. You know, obviously Indeed. not letting people eat, but like you know, cut the cut the budget on that. Uh, that's my feeling. Like I'll go into more when it's the right time. Xander D, what are your guys' choices? I'm gonna be rogue. I'm gonna oh. be rogue. Um, I'm gonna cut production. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep the food. I'm going to improve marketing. Okay. Xander, what's your choices? I may be lining up right with you, D. I think that I am going... No, I think I might be leaning towards cutting the food, keeping the marketing, and improving the production. So this is all oh. over the place. I love uh, this. Yeah, I... I actually Nick was like mine, cut actually. both and put a double yeah, yeah. cut them all and put it all to marketing um yeah no I'm, I'm definitely I think I'm in the cut food and beverage I mean that aligns with a lot of what I've been talking about publicly recently and then um yeah I would I would keep production value and then improve your marketing um on there um but yeah Nick sorry get, we told so yeah, yeah. Look, go behind so I behind cut food here's why alcohol I'd get rid of it and uh, that's super controversial and whatever but I feel like it's it's actually pretty easy to do it's probably the highest uh, amount of cost in in the F&B bubble 
uh, and you can do it with without. I would assume that like most uh, again, I'm aiming at the middle here. Most objectives don't require it. I understand that there is a social lubricant element to it, but it can be overcome uh, inexpensively, and it can become it, and it can be overcome thematically. Um, and there's also other opportunities to pull some themes into the the food and beverage to diminish the cost. Uh, as long as you're diminishing the cost and also doing it for a purpose of something like farm to table or some other element that might might be like more local, even though there's less food, but like it's more thematically aligned with whatever that theme is. It doesn't have to be that, but it could be something like that, which would allow you to, you know, cut it with a purpose. It's harder to cut things with a purpose for production, you know, like uh, stripped down is. Well, before you uh, go to production, I'll, lay, I'll layer in with the, the food and beverages that I think that you can pass that cost on to your attendees now um, and that the attendees will crave a higher qual experience and then will pay for it in the way they want to. So like my, I'm a big fan right now is give longer lunch breaks and send people into the local restaurants nearby and then let them enjoy their lunchtime to really dive deep into conversations with people. Love that. I do that frequently anyway at events where they provide food and I just like, hey, I don't want any of this. I know. That's know, why we hang out all the time at conferences. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We like, oh, they're giving us, uh, you know, ham and cheese sandwiches in boxes. And that's cool. Like, let's curate Let's a go to this barbecue place across the street that looks yeah. dope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's have a great meal. Let's let's curate who's coming with us. Let's make it purposeful. You know, let's make actual an experience. Uh, and like, let's do it the, you know, ways that for us. So yeah, that's even better, right? Like it saves like the whole budget. Uh, so there's that element again, it's on point. It's, it's done with it's transparency and design. Uh, you can do that production for me. It, if you, now you can be mindful of production, uh, and, and, uh, do it with purpose. But even then I think that it's rarely about reducing the price. Uh, it's, it's more about like how you choose to do it. But like when you start taking money out of production, you start, uh, really diminishing the the whole point of the majority of events. So like you don't want to diminish anything that makes the content lesser. Uh, you don't want to do anything that like gives you less opportunities for uh, being able to recut that content in the future. Like a lot of what I'm t- uh, uh, thinking about for this is um, if someone's having a diminished budget, that means that my go- my goal is to figure out how can I make more money. Uh, in the future so I'm not in this position again because like let's be honest nobody wants to be in the position of reduced budget with production not being cut I have the ability to use that to make more money down the line specifically in recutting that content to have you know additional sponsor revenue opportunities in evergreen content so like that's where I would keep that money and protect it and I would grow marketing uh, you know the obvious bias for sure but uh, the main reason is if you're telling me our revenue is down uh, then it sounds like I need, yeah, I gotta, I gotta mix it up in that. And that might, might mean going after whole new groups of people. Uh, and it might need more partnership opportunities that the marketing budget would be spent on to bolster the sponsorships, uh, and give them more value and thus increasing the pricing for that. So in all those ways, I think production and, uh, marketing have the better opportunities for me to make more revenue, uh, and therefore I'm not in that position. So next year, I actually can maybe protect that F and B budget. You know, like maybe, you know, I can't do that. Like in one year's time, I don't think that the quality of the the F and B is going to make up the money. Sure, it'll help in retention to a degree. You know, like a percentage, but like I don't think it's as as high of a percentage of retention. Or and here's the key: there's really no growth opportunity in the F and B. I mean, word of mouth over the lunch of the conference is probably not going to tip the needle over for ticket sales. So that's my very pragmatic thoughts immediately off the cuff. 
Yeah, I, I don't have very much stuff to add on to that that I've ever added, so I'll send it over to D. D, D I want to know your, like, your, your plan of attack. Okay, so I was on team keep the food, cut production, and increase marketing. Um, and it's interesting because I think, um, you know, any event professional who does a budget, you've got line items, and you can put things in different buckets as you as you may. And I think some of the things that Nick had in the marketing or in the production bucket, I would put in the marketing bucket budget. So why I would cut uh, production, I would cut visuals. I feel like there are plenty of speakers and presenters and facilitators who rely too heavily on them. And you can really get great content along. You can do really engaging workshopping, like depending on what the event is, depending on the size, the scope, all that. You can do some really great stuff without any visuals. Um, audio is something that's a little harder to cut, especially if it's a large group and people need to hear. But I think you can get by without visuals if you've got a really dynamic uh, speaker. And I uh, love this example. I went to Connect Corporate. I think this was in 2016. We were in Texas. It was at the uh, Gaylord down there. And one of the keynote speakers, she was awesome. All the AV went out in the middle of her keynote. And that's how you know that you've got a good keynote Wait, was this speaker. at the Gaylord Texan? Because uh, that's notorious for them to have power issues. I'm just going to totally yeah, pull my Yeah, it was, the, it was the... the, the <laughs> It's a great space, though. I've stayed there. It's awesome. Uh, but yeah, it's Oh, great. it's so beautiful. It's so amazing. But they just – some fundamental issue is wrong with their power that causes so many issues. I've Like, if you book that venue, wow. just be prepared for your AV to go down at any given moment. This was my first and only time that I had gone to an event. I've never planned an event there, so I can only speak for this one uh, occasion. Um, yeah, went out in the middle of her lunch keynote, and she was amazing because she rolled with the punches, and she still got a great message along. Um, and I still remember it. And this was what, six, seven years ago. So that's why I would cut production because I think you can still deliver great content. You can still create an amazing experience without visuals. Um, I would keep food. I think that's because I particularly had an experience uh, at a previous employer in 2017. And I just did not do a great job of ordering the right food for that audience. And I heard about it. I got ripped a new one all over the um, surveys. Wait, like, and so they were used. What, what'd you they order? Like, how how did you miss the mark? Like, I got so it was a couple of things. It was my first event at this company, so I was still learning the audience, still learning like the culture. And they were and they were at a new venue. So the previous venue, they were at like a, a Embassy Suites or something, and they just like lavished them with like all the carbs, all the sugar whatever, what have you. And I was at this new venue and, you know, I'm trying to like make this cute, you know, kind of menu. And like, that wasn't the audience. They want meat and potatoes. They want, they want cookies at every break. And, and so it was just learning them. And then the next year we were able to like hit the mark. But, um, I've learned that if, if an audience is used to a certain level of food, a certain taking that away, you're going to have pitchforks and um, tiki torches. <laughs> so post event, post event surveys are disproportionately food-based cripes. <laughs> like, you know, and yes. I think it's like an, I, I mean, I have always kind of like put it into the fact that like those people are like outliers, the people that, and I don't mean those people that put food in, I mean like people that fill out post event surveys full stop are outlier attendees. And like, it seems like in the, the makeup of a person who's like, I must give my two cents and the food it seems like there's a venn diagram of circle on circle uh and <laughs> it's uh it's you know if it's especially if it's like your in-house 
and like you have to like do that and have to like you know face up to that kind of thing yeah that's rough because like they're they that that, and honestly what i was saying earlier about like what caterers think about this kind of thing they know this like they they very much use that and be like hey just so you know when people Mm -hmm. think back at your event there's only a few things they remember and food actually is always one of them so i'll definitely take that point yeah and the way that they can incorporate Um, that feedback to anywhere that is on your survey that does not have anything to do with food they're going to include it you may not even ask <laughs> Other. what did you think they of the food they're going to try food and they'll be like I didn't like the food <laughs> no open yeah spaces. so I think I'm still I think I'm still a little triggered from that it was like I said going on six years ago and I'm still like oh don't cut it don't cut it um and then last I said improve the marketing because I think you can um do a couple things It's not just about like the segmenting and how you're getting your audience, but I think you can do more storytelling in advance, really create that FOMO, a lot more content creation. Um, And then you can extend the story after after the event. You can create FOMO with those who didn't attend and they can see what happened and, um, you know, dipping your toe into the community space. I think you can do a lot more with that um, and extend that excuse me, extend that event experience outside of those three days that everyone's in person. Um, And I think you can do that with that marketing line item. So that's my thought process behind my cut, keep, improve. Yeah, I messed it up. (laughs) My own concept and I am not. I I, I didn't land on the I didn't land on the right ones. Now, I when I thought about improving, I was like, oh, improve. Then you can just change and adjust rather than like, oh, add to it. So, uh, yeah, no, my breakdown ultimately is then the cutting is going to happen on the food and beverage side of things. I think a lot of the points that you were making about passing along those costs to attendees, I like to think of it as empowering those attendees to make their own decisions. Uh, (laughs) Sure, you you can say empower all you want. I say pay for your own damn lunch. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I think that the opportunity to potentially reduce ticket prices and things like that by creating that carve out in your budget not only is a marketing tool that you are enabled with by reducing your prices which potentially drives additional sales to a more price sensitive customer but it also gets them out of the space it lets you have a more natural opportunity to connect with other people if you're able to to bounce around to different restaurants if you are charging a cash bar for your alcohol service if you're going to have it at all uh, you have people making an active decision versus rather rather than just being served a decision and so it says a lot more about the attendees and what their appetites are for versus what you think that they are for. So there's a little bit of that concept of enabling, but yeah, no, you're just going to buy your own food. Uh, I think that that's a really easy area to make those changes. I think one of the challenges you run into is what the attendee promises. So if you've promised something to your attendees at that point of ticket sales, Um, or of them deciding to make a decision to come out or they are a historic attendee that has come year after year. That's where you start running into some of those challenges. But I think that food and beverage is an area that we have the most power to like make adjustments to without it really impacting the quality of the overall event experience. Uh, On the production side, I would say that that is an area that I'm going to keep versus that improve area. I think 
it's it makes the most sense to improve your marketing area especially if you are driven by ticket sales like we are with our organization uh yes ticket sales but those ancillary revenue streams are a huge part of that too if you can bolster some of the things that you are losing in your overall budget because you aren't selling enough or your budget is being slashed then you have that opportunity to resell content to sell additional sponsorship for different categories of things just like nick was saying uh the nice of going last is that a lot of what I'm talking about got to be covered already so there's that Uh, and then on the production side (laughs) one thing that I absolutely love that Dee mentioned was the idea that you you just pivot you adjust your formatting presentation you find ways to communicate the message that you mean to be communicating in a way that can be best served by whatever resources you do have available. So if you are sure you, to a degree, are potentially looking to reduce some of your spend in that area, that is obviously the cut concept, but I think that uh, you have an opportunity to just reimagine the way that you want to convey the message that you're sharing. Uh, and that can be through something that is a bit more intimate and less highly produced and big, splashy, that kind of thing. So. Uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm landed on that front. I definitely want to build on like as a production guy, like how you can look at your production differently is like so brilliant too. Like I love that. I think a lot of times when we think about crazy ideas that really make a big impact, we sometimes have to think in extremes. Like, and so like D, your point of being like, hey, why don't we just get rid of like all the visual elements? Well, for some people that might be so extreme, but then like it might also make you rethink and to be like, do I really need an ultra wide LED screen for this? You know, as a production guy, I say always spend the money on the production stuff because it looks cool, but but like, in, in my opinion, if you're talking about like budget cuts, I'd rather you not like try to like shave off five thousand dollars. Instead, like maybe keep it where it's at and let's hey let's reallocate it to, to set piece or whatever the heck it may be, something different that might be necessary. Or if you're struggling that like your ticket sales are going up but your production bu- budget can't go up, well, if you have number of people going up you need more audio and other items and things like that you might have to like find ways to pick within your own budget and reallocate it in a lot of ways and that's why like we talked about this on the Ventec podcast with Brant all the time, but like copy and pasting your RFP from the last year and going in again and doing the same thing is not a smart decision because that's how a lot of like crap gets added on over the years that never ends up getting used or you just you know years ago someone interpreted a need for it in one way and then now your three vendors different they've been just bringing the same thing over and over again that can be really dangerous and waste a lot of money um, on there too so i think that's something to kind of keep in mind too the aha i had from d was immediately made me think of uh ted talks because i was like wait yeah there's no there's no real like production elements of you know outside of the you know the, the the ted letters that go everywhere but like that's a stripped down affair that certainly gets the point across, you know, and it's more on uh, focusing on how they present and the formatting of the execution of uh, the the speakers themselves. So like it is, and, and because not, it, not just one presenter is presenting like that because it's like an ethos that runs through all of it. It's a very cohesive and impactful experience that obviously has become, you know, an institution. So it's it's absolutely doable to do that. And I mean, one of the things I'm thinking about from this episode is um, if we could nail on uh, effective ways to diminish our marketing spend, what we would actually come up with was the ability to reduce three different elements, (laughs) you know, like, okay, your next event is going to have people going, you know, intentionally going to eat where they want to eat, you know, a stripped down uh, uh, methodology for. 
production and then whatever we could come up with on on lowering the marketing spend and all of a sudden we've actually you know built the frankenstein of uh low budget affairs uh that are still you know valuable um that might be the upshot for someone listening to this of being like okay i think i just cherry picked all three because i think a lot of you know shows <laughs> might actually be in that situation where they have to like cut 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 uh and like that's their life and like you know uh if you if you take a little bit from this from each section although again i, I don't i don't know if no one really said let's reduce marketing and maybe that's just because it's, it's in it the impetus of this is you need to spend less money this year uh and there's usually a causation for that that is you know most of our minds are going to ticket sales uh but like what if uh i mean eh, i don't know what the budget for internal marketing is it's probably not substantial but uh i'm trying to think of a situation where it's like a, an obvious you know reduce marketing spend um i mean to me it's partnerships like if you if you want to uh, cut the cost of your marketing, you, sh you share the load uh, and you say to all of your exhibitor sponsors, maybe even attendees, and you, you're transparent with them as far as like creating opportunities for them to and make it easy for them to market your event uh, along with you to their audiences, thus growing their impressions without having to spend as much money. Uh, and buy, mm -hmm. you know, media buys or PPC or something like that. If you actually just empower the uh, partners, you know, in your event that that share in the the, uh, you know, stakehold sort of in the uh, the outcome, uh, then per potentially you're actually spending less money in a more coordinated effort. Uh, and in that way, uh, you could get by on spending less on marketing. Like if you're not doing any of those things now, then you could cut your marketing. You know, if you're already doing those things and it's tough. But if you're not like if you're not actually giving assets to all your partners and not just saying like, oh, here's a, you know, a PDF, to, but actually having a conversation with them on like ways that they can become strategic partners in the marketing efforts for them to, you know, share in the benefits of. And you created some kind of like Dropbox full of assets and just really empowered everyone around you. Then um, I would say, yeah, maybe do reduce your marketing if uh, if you haven't any, touched any of that low hanging fruit. One thing I think I'll add as far as like the, you know, potential around the cut marketing stuff is don't be afraid to like also reinvent what your marketing is. Like I'll definitely say from personal experience that like, you know, as evident by me hiring Xander like bazillion years ago, it feels like, um, you know, we were hardcore in the inbound marketing game, like really, really early in the events industry. And like we quadrupled down on HubSpot tactics and everything like that. And really at the time, like our only competitors in the content space were media companies, like no other company doing marketing really could keep up. And it felt like basically during the pandemic, because there's so many tech companies that had so much marketing budget and inbound marketing so common and it within the SaaS business that like it got overcrowded really, really fast. And I'm not going to lie. Like I used to like look at other companies and they put out content. I'd be like, yeah, but ours is still better, you know? And then now I watch it. I'm like, oh my God, their content's better than mine. And it's because there's so much money to be spent on it that now I think it's a lot less effective than it used to be. And so I think like one of the big things that I think I had a learning over the last year or so is that like when you start feeling like something's not working anymore, like, you got to cut your emotion from it and just like be, especially on like the creative side of things and like when it comes to budget and really rethink it. And I, 
you know, and and shout outs to my team at Endless. I think they, they probably were telling me this more than I was listening. Is that like I should have like we should have looked and tried something completely different. But that I kept thinking to myself, no, this works. This works. This is temporary. This is temporary. But then I realized like now I'm looking around. I'm like, no, I should have like cut this. And we started these new marketing tactics we after, you know, way long ago. And I think that, um, you know, listening to this now, I think if someone listens to this two years from now, I think like inbound marketing might be not necessarily dead, but like it's gonna become way less effective. No one's not gonna download an ebook and then be interested in your product. Those days are 100% over, I feel like. And like, I think when it comes to cutting, that same concept can be applied to the food and beverage and also to the production. That like, if you go with the emotion being like, I love the LED screen, it's so pretty, but like you can save 90% of your production budget by having audio only, and maybe that's really worth letting go of the it looks pretty kind of concept. <laughs> So I know this isn't a trends episode, right? It's cut, cut, keep, improve, but it's making me think uh, where our industry is going, where we have room to improve and where we may be lagging. We do not really harness influencers. We don't harness um, uh, user-generated content. And the, con- the, the creator economy is not only just here, like it's booming, and like the event industry is definitely behind in that aspect. So I think um, I remember seeing this example with HubSpot a couple years ago, the way they galvanized their community and kind of essentially made power users that one helped promote the conference, two shared about the conference while they were at Inbound. Um, and it's just like that's a great opportunity that may be low cost, maybe no cost, just depending on what your community um, uh, looks like. And you're you're putting the users in the place of selling it in a way that they can sell uh, uniquely and genuinely to their audience, um, and they're going to sell your product better than you ever can. You're going to sell your event better than you ever can because uh, <laughs> because they're more passionate about it. They're the uh, what do you call it? They are the um, uh, the experts, I can't think of the, the SMEs essentially in this field. So I think that's one place that I would love to see our industry get more into, um, both for not just our in- event industry events, you know, where it's very extra meta, but, you know, for all the different various industries that our events are in, um, really leaning more on our subject matter experts and getting them tapped in um, to be ambassadors, if you will. Yeah, that was my presentation at, at uh, Convening Leaders this year was around uh, utilizing AI and social listening. And, you know, there's a bunch of different ways that you can util- uh, use those two things in concert to have value. But one of the uh, tactics is is uh, sourcing influencers uh, amongst the uh, community that you have uh, and, and real- realizing that it's like very inexpensive to motivate those people to do more for you that they were already doing anyway. Uh, and some cases there's like really no like hard costs associated with like prepping them, propping them up and, uh, and making them feel special and like getting, uh, impressions and, and conversions, uh, from that work. So yeah, there, there is opportunities to use what you've already got. That's really my biggest thing with when it comes to like saving money on marketing is, is like if you, aren't using some of these things it's not like i'm saying okay like spend less on google this year or uh you know stop your email marketing like that's probably not the best way to save money in marketing uh, and still um, reach your goals it really is just actually using all the inexpensive to 
you know, really no cost methodologies that are out there. And that's a great point is that events really don't leverage influencer marketing, mostly because I think that the explanation or understanding of what influencer marketing is in the context of B2B is really like not obvious. And like, whereas B2C is like super obvious, it's a Kardashian, but like in the, in the B2B space, it's like, it's not that like, it's, it's much more approachable and they're not looking for $250,000, you know, an Instagram post. They're looking for like front seat tickets or front seat, you know, in at the keynote or a shout out or, you know, some kind of green room access or like something that costs zero dollars frequently and maybe more if they can provide more. And, and that also includes like, you know, something that's near nearly influencer marketing, uh, which is affiliate sales. Uh, also an opportunity there, you know, harder, I think, frankly, to uh, to do that. I think that that's actually less impactful because I've run both campaigns and I found that influencers are just more organically driven to do the, those kinds of things anyway. And like, there's nothing less organic, I think, than affiliate sales, but that's my bias in that regard. Uh, but either way, like, I think that this, the savings in marketing comes down from utilizing things that you haven't used before uh, and, and prioritizing things that have, uh, you know, the least amount of hard cost. We're saving people money today. This is uh, it's a co- uh, coupon I- show. <laughs> Oh, like, I yay. love this this concept. Yeah, they, we, where Xander, where have you been? Like this 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 topic, you know, this, this, this practical format. It's not is, just just us awesome. moaning about coronavirus for three years. This is uh, <laughs> this is uh, I literally super practical. Two minutes typing out. Oh geez. Oh gosh. Oh geez. I don't know what to do. And then this just popped up. Honestly, <laughs> that's what we were looking for, though. Anywhere. Like something that you know. Uh, just is like you, you just feel that there's uh, there's work to be done here. I think most of us that you know that have done the show and a lot of us that contribute to the events industry in general, like that's all we're really trying to do is is to give people you know the the ammunition they need to look at something differently. Like I, I had this kind of conversation uh, earlier this week where I was talking about podcast listeners for the events industry and I was working on a persona and trying to figure out like okay, what's the What's the difference between someone in the events industry who does their job and then someone who listens to a podcast for another podcast media buy? Uh, and you know, what I really came up with is the people that listen to shows like ours and, and other shows in the industry, they're more curious and they're willing to try new things. Like they don't, there's no, no one's boss is saying, okay, you know, you have to listen to two event podcasts, you know, event industry podcasts this week. Like the, the, the personas of these people are the people like the ones listening now are the ones who want to know more uh, and are, are unsatisfied with the way things are. Like it's, we're not actually speaking to the majority. We're speaking to the uh, kind of the better group. And uh, it really, uh, you know, I'm excited that you brought this to the attention because like these are people I think that would do these things like that. A big, big problem with and Will and I have done this for a long, long time of speaking to planners uh, and uh, on stages. And like the biggest fear, at least I have, is you won't do any of this stuff. You know, like uh, like even if it's like really obvious and like really, you know, like just do it. Like the barrier to do new things is really hard for a lot of people. And like I think the people we're talking to now and the, and the real practical stuff that we brought to them in this episode uh, I think there's a real high likelihood we'll see some of these ideas uh, germinate. Well, this is no longer a new thing because we did it in today's episode and you may hear it in a future episode, but we want to hear from you of the three uh, buckets that we discussed today. What would you keep? 
What would you cut? What would you improve? Marketing, food, or production? You can email us at eventbrew at helloendless.com. Um, you can also email us questions for future topics. So uh, definitely let us know your thoughts. Um, and we'll probably see this format again in a future episode. But uh, thanks for listening. This is Deanna, Will, Nick, and Xander. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks again for listening to Event Brew. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head over to eventbrew.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. Ask a follow-up question or tell us what topics you want to hear covered. See you next time on Event Brew. Event Brew.